Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America wide. Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer with you on Oilers Now, along with Brendan Escott. Hope you're having a uh, terrific Thursday. I did something last night that I have not done in my life. Boy, this has been... We've all had to do things a little bit differently. Uh, No word of a lie. I didn't know how to work Netflix before the NHL pause took place. Because all I watched were sports and the news. And different varieties of the news, may I add. I didn't just stick with... uh, Brendan, can you go ahead and uh, give our guy a call again here? He's ready. Waiting your call. Um... But uh, anyhow, you know, I watch a lot of sports and a lot of news. Didn't have a time uh, to to watch a lot of shows. And boom, my daughter taught me how to use Netflix. And so it's been a a terrific go here. We've talked about some of the shows, Mindhunter and uh, uh, Narcos and Narcos Mexico and Ozark. If you got any good suggestions, fire me a text, 780-496-0063, the Ashley Fine Flores text line. About solid shows, but uh, last night I did something that I'd never done before either. Uh, I had a four-way phone conversation on uh, what, what's that, what, what do I call that? FaceTime, where I hooked up with the, the Cairo boys and my man Jack, and uh, we just uh, we sat and watched the Game Seven of the 1991 Oilers Flames uh, series. Good result for Edmonton. We knew we knew what was coming because we all lived through it back in the day, but. You learn new things every day. New learn things every day. All right, just before we get to uh, uh, just before we get back to Louis DeBrasse, I'm going to read a text on our Ashley Fine Flores text line. We're talking about Frank Cervelli's piece in TSN today, Gary Bettman's comments yesterday, the potential of Edmonton being a, a host site of a Stanley Cup potential playdown, maybe even some regular season games. Um uh, here we go. This text comes in. I was fortunate enough to be a part. Where does this? T- okay. Hey, stop. Okay. Well, anyways, the, the text goes on to say, I was fortunate enough to be a part of the inaugural season uh, and sweets and the whole deal. I want sports back more uh, than anyone. 
me and 500 million. I think August, if we could keep numbers down, you could quarantine players and staff, testing every game, which I don't think is logistically possible with the number of tests that are going on presently. I pray we can see sports soon, but nothing is more important than life. So it's really a tough call with vaccines for us and for our athletes. And that, you know, we're, we're talking a bit about this as we bring aboard Louis DeBras. Louis, how you doing? Good, Bob. How you doing? Good. Uh, lots of lots of stories uh, out there over the last twenty four hours about maybe the NHL, you know, going down to four locations, but not neutral site locations. Now potentially NHL cities, and I know you know Frank Cervelli wrote a piece today listed Edmonton, Toronto, Pittsburgh, and Dallas as potential uh, host sites. Uh, Look, you and me have the privilege of working in hockey. We both love hockey. Do you think this is something that could be theoretically feasible by, say, July or August? Um, I mean, I think anything is possible, Bob. I, I mean, we've talked about this since this started. Potential situation scenarios with this resuming. Um and we've talked about all the parameters that we believe will have to be in place. But, yeah, you know what? Listen, this this has been thrown around for a while now, and we've talked about neutral site games. We've talked about potentially uh, one or two locations for teams that come into and play. We've talked about universities, if that was going to be the case. But now that they're switching it over to NHL buildings. Um, makes sense. You know, it makes sense to me. The locations are picking. You know, when you look at look at them, they're, they're, they're big markets. They're... They're great buildings, and they're newer buildings. Um, three of them out of the four. Anyway, Dallas is, is a little bit older, I think, than the rest of them. Um, Toronto's got to be right there, too. But um, you know what? Uh, listen, I, mean, they're, they're, I think they're brainstorming, looking at every situation, trying to figure this out. And if uh, if they do get the green light, they want to have something in place. So I, I have no problem with them trying to brainstorm this and figure this out, maybe put things in in. Uh, in place that if if they do get the green light to go back to work then uh, they'll have something figured out and this allows them to play multiple games in each 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 place right so i mean you could play three four games a day potentially to uh to fill up that schedule and make sure that the games are getting played yeah i mean it's 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 a crazy time we know that it's been a challenging time um You've been a player. I've asked you this in in a roundabout ways before. Where do you think the players' headspace would be if they could go into four markets that would have, you know, considerably lower rates of COVID cases and low rates of COVID death compared to other markets in the league to play? Uh, And the players would need to be quarantined and tested and prodded daily and potentially away from their families for weeks at a time. Uh, what, what do you think the player response to that would be, Louis? It's a real good question. I uh, I know that some players have come out and spoken about the fact they would play on the moon if they had to. They would play anywhere. Uh, whatever it takes to get the season back, get playing, and, and make sure the games are played and then try and decide a Stanley Cup winner. And then there's other players that have been on the other side of it and said, you know, there's still some concerns there with what happens if there is another outbreak, especially in a tight community, the hockey world. If you're all in the same building, you're all in the same hotel, all of a sudden somebody gets sick and it goes through everybody like rapid fire. I mean, there's going to be questions like that, and there are going to be players that are going to be concerned with that. There's just no question there'll be players that have families that are like, you know what, I don't know if I want to put myself in that harm's way. And then there'll be players that say, you know what, let's go and do this, let's go play. And 
it's a matter of uh, I'm, I'm assuming this is going to come to a vote eventually, Bob. I, and there's just no way it's going to be, hey, you're going back to play. The NHLPA is going to have a say, and they're going to they're going to definitely talk to the players and say, okay, here it comes now. If it ever does get to that point, this is the situation. This is what we've been told. Are you willing to do this, or are you not willing to do this? And it will be a vote. And I don't think it's going to be a landslide. Um, to people wanting to come back in those environments. I just don't think it will be, but I do think the number will be high enough to get it done. Well, just to put things in perspective, Louis, like the contrast between Alberta's currently at 66 deaths for the entire province, okay? New York State is at 15,300. Now, there's a hell of a lot more people living in New York State than Alberta, but not 15,000 times more. You know what I'm saying? So, and I, I just wonder how much... That's going to play into this for sure. I mean, Toronto's a big city. Uh, the downtown, I'm sure, is not nearly as busy as it normally is. Um, right. Listen, I, I mean, it doesn't matter what buildings you pick. Obviously, they have to meet certain standards. They have to meet certain... Um, for me, it's about lodging, too. It's about putting people in positions. You have a, a new building in Edmonton that has a hotel connector. That's a, that's a huge plus. I mean, you don't even have to go outside. You can go down the tunnel. You can quarantine it off. You can close it off to the public. You can do a lot of things to ensure that there's safe passage to and from the rink every day. Just little things like that that, that go into your mind about just transportation. You can bus underneath. You never have to kind of get out into the open and trying to keep it as contained as possible if it does come back. Situations like that are certainly concerns and certainly things that they're talking about. Um, but, yeah, no, I get what you're getting at. The, the Edmonton has to be one of the locations they're thinking of because of those numbers. Yeah, the only city with lower, uh, a lower death total in Edmonton is Winnipeg. That's it. Uh, you know, I think the province of Manitoba may only be at six deaths total for the entire province. So, and it, it, and again, a lot of it has to do with uh, international travel. Initially, a lot of it has to do with, you know, how things have worked out in old age facilities, and it's and it's an unfortunate part, Louis, of what we talk about on a day to day basis, because really, hockey's on the back burner. Uh, and sport is on the back burner. I mean, we've got the NFL draft tonight. They're doing the entire thing. They're doing the thing from Rod, uh, Roger Goodell's basement. You know, this is a big event. I'm going to miss those Philly fans booing their first-round pick every year, <laughs> like when they boo Donovan McNabb. Kind of like Ranger fans were booing back when you were selected in the second round of the draft in your draft year. So, they were, no, they weren't booing. They were looing, Bob. Come on. You know they were looing? Well, yeah, they were looing. Come on. How many games um, did you play? How many games did you play in the NHL? Did you get the four hundred? You got the four hundred, right? I got the four hundred. It only took me twelve years, but I got it. Yeah. Well, Louis, that's four hundred yeah. more in the NHL than I ever played. So I tip my hat to you all day. Hey, well, uh, the other day, Lou, we had Dave Brown on the show talking about the uh, eighty-seven playoffs with the Oilers and then the nineteen ninety Stanley Cup championship. Um, the hair did, on the back of my neck just went up. <laughs> did it? <laughs> Boy, I'll tell you, he had a reputation, and he was one of those guys that just, you know, you knew every time he was in the lineup, every time he was on the ice, he didn't even really have to fight that much late in his career. That was the greatest thing about Dave Brown. Thank God he didn't fight that much. But he, uh, you know, he just had to give you a look, give you a little statement, give you a little warning, tell you to settle down, and, you know, and that, that usually was enough to get people to go, okay, you know, I don't really feel like messing with Brownie, and I understand I'll leave him alone. Didn't you have to jump in one time because of Dennis Bondi? Yeah. Went, yeah. Denny Bondi and him. I mean, Dennis, you know, he was, you know, 
that guy would fight anybody at any time. And he 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 went out and he smacked Brown off the face off and challenged him. And Brown, you know, Dave's eyes just like got the size of saucers and was like, "Excuse me, because this is an exhibition game. San Jose was in town. That was when Dave Brown was in San and I'm on the ice with them, and I look at him, and I'm like, okay, kid, you better buckle up for this one because, you know, here it is. And, you know, and Dennis Bombing, one of the toughest guys to play. He, you know, had no problem. In that. And he was young there, though. So you're always a little concerned with young guys jumping in too soon. You're like, hey, maybe you're biting off a little more than you can chew right now. Like, just, but he was willing. But then he kind of backed away from Brown, and everybody kind of converged in. And I just instinctively was like, okay, you know what? Obviously, if he's backing away, I don't know if he's waiting, didn't want him to grab him because he knew he was a lefty. I just went in there and grabbed him. And uh, I'm not going to lie, I had the vice grip, two vice grips on his left hand. You know, I, I wasn't overly worried about the right hand, even though he is six foot five and probably could still throw a right hand from time to time. But I was really worried about the left hand. So I did the double vice grip on that one just to make sure I had a really good hold of it before I had it go. <laughs> and uh, we talked it out and wrestled it out. And then everybody came in. I think Dennis ended up fighting. I don't know if it was Dodie Wood or Jeff Rogers. I'm having was a Audrey's. hard time recollecting who it was, but there was there was a couple other fights that went on, and that kind of settled things down because obviously the second fight you're getting kicked out, so it kind of just everybody kind of mellowed a bit. But but yeah, you know what? He it, it was a reputation. You know that that was the thing about about Brown is that it only took one shot. You know, you can see over the course of his career that big jackhammer left hand, and if he caught you with that. Um, you were, you were going to be in a lot of trouble. But, you know, guys that had success against them were were strong and could hold on, and that was my game plan. And luckily, he never pursued it too much. He was more trying to get at Dennis the whole time, and I was kind of holding him back a little bit. Uh, it's funny because we, when we had Brown on, we talked. He actually forgot about the fight that he had with Bucky uh, in game one of the 87 final. Oh, yeah, yeah, in the playoffs. You know, and because yeah. that's, that's my first recollection. I'm of, pretty sure that was Bucky's first game, too. It was. It was his first yeah. NHL game. I, I remember sitting at the bar in Clearwater looking at one of my buddies, Glenn Dobson, saying, what the hell is Buckberger doing? Like, what? And he just – and he went right to him. And right then, from that point on, we knew that Kelly – uh, he would fight anybody, and I'm just wondering at times, <laughs> were you almost uh, guilty because he was taking the charge at any time, and he was, you know, he was an important leader on, you know, evolved uh, with the team, Louis, and you know, he killed penalties and he played a bit, uh, maybe a little bit more minutes than you did, and and you were kind of supposed to be the guy that would take on the heavyweight, and there would be Kelly, and he had something going with Frankie Larue all the time. And Frankie LaRue once dropped Tony Twist. Like, Frank LaRue could fight. Did that put you at times in a position where you're like, wow, I, I, I better get involved here because it, <laughs> I, you know, because Kelly was relentless. He'd fight anybody. He dragged you into the fight, no question. Um, that was that was the greatest thing about Bucky is he got you pumped up and ready for the games and he dragged you into the fight. I learned really quickly, though, that no matter what you told Bucky, um, he wasn't going to listen anyway. <laughs> You know, like he was one of those guys that if the, the biggest, baddest guy on the other side, it was almost like he just couldn't resist. He had to go and, and do something to him. And, you know, I remember Max T telling me that about him. You know, Buck, will fight anybody. He doesn't care, right? He just, and I and I, I just always remember the one time he took a Darian slap, a Hatcher slap shot off the back of the head. They hit him in the back of the helmet because of the, the compression. It split him wide open. He had a big gash in the back of his head. It buckled him, too. He was down for a bit, got up. And, like, two nights later, 
We were playing, I believe, in Vancouver at the time, and uh, he goes toe to toe with Gino again. Like that's just you know that's just the mentality. That's just the way he played. There was no quit, and you see that as a teammate. It's you have no choice but to you know tighten the chin strap up and want to want to go to battle even harder for guys like that. And I love that saying. You know, Matt Hendricks. We, we've said this a lot about Matt Hendricks. He was one of those yep. guys that pulls you into the fight. You know, he just kind of dragged in there and said, "Follow me." And you know, those role players are so important to me. I call them spinal fluid. You know, Kurt Brackenberry used to be the strength coach for Edmonton Day, and I used to be his guinea pig. Would put me through all the testing and do all different things, and then try different stuff. And it was. Um, he used to say that about guys, they're spinal fluid. Those guys are spinal fluid for a team. I used to love that saying because it's so important. So important for those players to be a I think Josh Archibald has a little bit of that there's now, you know, just thinking off the top of my head. But guys that go up there, play a certain way every night, they give you that energy, they give you that input, and you watch them on a ship-to-ship basis and you say, you know what, I just, you know, I want to follow suit. I want to play harder. I want to go and hit somebody. I want to go and try and score a big goal. Whatever it is you bring to the table, players like that seem to bring that out to you a little more. And there's no question, Buck, you had that. All right. Uh, Louis DeBrus joining us from NHL Hockey and Rogers. Bob Stoffer with you know winners now. Louis, you got a son, Jake. Uh, is he is he at home with you guys or is he in Boston? Yeah, he's home. He's home. He's uh, he's a day away from his two weeks. He's, he got here uh, just before Easter weekend. Okay. And, uh, he's uh, been chilling like a villain, and uh, yeah, you know he's. Uh... Well, he he has stated that he wants to play, and uh, that has been out there. I know you guys have done some interviews and stuff together, uh, and I'm intrigued because Brad Marchand of the Bruins figured that if we do play, <laughs> younger teams will have an advantage. Now, is that Brad Marchand being Brad Marchand already stirring I, the pot for a potential I, return and putting more pressure <laughs> on teams uh, down the road like the Toronto Maple Leafs? I think so. I really do. And I think that the, you know his gamesmanship obviously is well documented, but um, the cerebral gamesmanship of Brad Marchand is, is way more higher quality than people give him credit for. Trust me, there's a, me- there's a method to the madness. But, yeah, I think that's what it is. I think he was more or less saying, you know what, like doesn't want to build it up too much. But I, I can only think that rest for older players, speaking specifically from the Boston Bruins, a Brad Marchand, for him, for Patrice Bergeron, for Sedano Chara, to be able to rest the body, get get fully rested, recovered, and ready to go. If there's anybody, um, those guys know how to put their best foot forward at the right times, and they know how to ratchet it up in short order. Um, I always go back to Bergeron because, you know, he was dealing with injuries a couple of the years that Jake's played with him, and he missed the majority one year and the whole entire training camp the next year, last year, and it was no big deal for him. He stepped in and just took right off. He just understands how to make sure that he's ready mentally and physically to step on the ice. There's no questions. We've talked about this before, though, Bob. Injuries will be a concern, and you've even heard people in the league talk about that. You've heard coaches talk about it. You've heard players talk about it. It'll be really important to try and ratchet up. As far as I know, aside from seeing a a tweet of Jonathan Taves on a a huge lake somewhere stick-handling pucks, there's not a lot of people skating right now, and that's the issue. You're going to have to give time to be able to get back on the ice and work muscles that you haven't worked. Um, I see a lot of guys rollerblading, trying to keep up some of those muscles, but it is a different stride a little bit. But I think that's a great cross-training tool right now, given the circumstances. But they're going to need to get on the ice for a little bit and get back into shape before they jump on the ice and play meaningful games. Louie, as always, we appreciate your time. We'll hook up next week. Okay, Bob, take care. Be well.
Yep, you bet. That's Louis DeBras from NHL Hockey and Rogers. It's 12.52 at Edmonton. We'll take a timeout. This is Oilers Now. Hi, this is Leon Dreisaitl from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stauffer on 6.30 Chat. Real interesting piece written uh, by Daniel Nugent Bowman of The Athletic about the 2014 NHL draft uh, on Leon Dreisaitl. And uh, we'll read a little bit of that coming up with Brian Burke on Oilers now. Uh, Lots of different perspectives. Here we go. Bob, just cancel the whole thing and stop going on about the NHL returning. Nobody cares. We have bigger problems to worry about, like getting kids back to school and return playing sports. That's a text that has come in. Uh, another text, Steve says, I love hockey as much as the next guy, but do you think that bringing the players back before next season is all that important? People need to give their head a shake. Lots of different perspectives out there. This texter says, Bob, the Alberta uh, Health Service website shows Edmonton only has 82 active cases of COVID-19, whereas Calgary is at 1,083. Uh Dave adds, Edmonton has more daily recoveries than new cases. And again, this is all part and parcel to a piece written by Frank Cervelli. Uh, Bruce uh, Garriock had one in the Ottawa Sun, too, uh, quoting uh, NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman and Bill Daly uh, on, you know, could you potentially return? Yvette has texted us to say, I love Kelly Buckberger. There's a picture of Kelly and Yvette uh, together. Well, there you go. Uh <laughs> uh again you can text us uh at seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three well I'm, somebody responded back to uh the just cancel the whole thing is that what they mean by the cancel culture uh i'm not sure i'm not sure uh, this comes in. I'm hockey obsessed. I coach, uh, my kid. He's a tier one player, but the season is canceled. Well, yes, it's for kids. It is. We'll wait and see what ends up happening moving forward here. I get it. There's, there's lots of different perspectives out there at this time. No question. It's interesting. And again, seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Bob, you should watch the crown. Uh, okay, thank you very much. This text comes in from BH. Bob, anybody who's been away from family for long stints knows how hard it is emotionally. Players will love it for two or three weeks. Then some will go on full purge mode, missing girlfriends, fiancés, wives, kids. True, from BH. Okay, if you say so. Uh, Tim says, Bob, Louie is one smart man. From Tim. Tim, Tim, it's great to know that Louie's got one of his closest friends that's named Tim out there listens to our show on a daily basis. Louie is a pretty pretty smart guy. Uh, Still zero cases in Camrose, Bob. In the Camrose Hospital, quiet. Why shut us down? Uh, Big Valley Jamboree refusing to cancel. Is that that correct? Big Valley has yet to uh, cancel. 7804960063 7804960063 Bob what what's uh, what kind of practice facility does Rogers place have well it's got a community arena that's connected right to it Um There you go keep bringing it 
Uh, hey, Bob, Sharp Objects and Succession on HBO and Crave are good shows because I asked for some uh, shows moving forward. So keep that. Uh, Peaky Blinders from Chris. Yes, that's I believe that's Bob uh, McKenzie's, uh, one of his recommendations. Uh, Bob, uh, Mark says, check out Sunderland Till I Die, great soccer documentary. That one comes to us for Mark. Keep it coming, all right? We got lots going on here. Uh, and Steve says, Bob, sports heals all wounds. We need sports back as soon as possible. Cannot take the hockey simulation. I catch uh, myself swearing at a video game. These are crazy times indeed. Hey, thank you for everybody. Keep it coming here. There's lots of text. We'll get to more of them during the course of today's show. Brian Burke coming up. From NHL Hockey and Rogers, longtime NHL executive, but not before an update on COVID-19, the pandemic, a global news weather traffic update, Eileen Bell. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.